Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. What did he do with First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, welcome back to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. Co-host Connor Miles here with my co-host Ed Kraz, as always. And we are so thrilled to be back. It's been a little bit time off for us, you know. My work schedule's been hectic. Ed has been on vacation, living it up at the beach. But now it's time to sit back, get back on the podcast, cover the Philadelphia Eagles because training camp is officially back on the 2022. Eagles are ready to go. They had the first day of training camp yesterday. That was on Wednesday. Today is Thursday. Day two's coming up. Ed, I'm so excited because it looks like this team understands how talented they are on paper. Uh, listening to Howie Rosen's press conference yesterday, he alluded to the fact that, you know, this team has had multiple times under his leadership that they've had very talented rosters on paper and they have not lived up to expectations. But they've also had teams where they weren't as talented on paper, like 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, who we referred to, and have won the Super Bowl. And as he alluded to, it all starts at training camp. So, in Nick Sirianni's year two training camp, Jalen Hurts' his second year as a starter, you're really trying to establish if these guys are your guys going forward. What did you think when being at training camp yesterday? What was your thoughts? Uh, how, you know, short the practice was, although that's something that, we, you know, we should get used to. It was less than an hour that they were on the field. And, uh, you know, you talk about how he's saying that, they've had talented rosters in the past that haven't always lived up to expectations and it's uh, incumbent on the head coach to get this team ready to play. And, you know, that's my concern really is I know they want to keep these guys healthy and fresh and they, they want to avoid the soft tissue injuries, which, you know, studies have showed them that usually crop up early in camp uh, as you're ramping up. So they want to give these players some downtime and do some walkthroughs. It's not like they're off, on day two after just starting on Wednesday that they're in a walkthrough and they're going to still be doing their work in the meetings um, and then translating that onto the field. But is that, is this going to be enough time to have all these, you know, new important pieces like AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick and Kaiser white and Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean, you know, the list goes on, but is this going to be enough time, an hour of practice, uh, to be ready. I mean, I, I don't know if that's going to be enough time and, you know, the Eagles don't want to get off to a slow start here. Um, you know, I, I, everybody seems to think the schedule's easy. You know, I don't think that Vikings game in week two is going to be easy that home open or not at all. I'm not sure that Doug Peterson coming in here is going to be an easy win either. So the Eagles have to get off to a quick start. And 
my concern was, was like in 58 minutes, that's what I had to practice as on Wednesday. First practice, I thought, boy, that, that seems awfully quick. I mean, I, I think it, I know it was, you know, it was, it was high intensity. Guys were moving. There was very, very little downtime. It was well organized, but I don't know. I don't know if an hour every couple of days on the field in high intensity situations is going to be enough time to have this team ready to open the season in Detroit on September 11th. And guys, just for a reminder, Ed and John McMullen, colleague at SI Eagles today, they at the end of each training camp practice, they stop at Novacare and they sit back and they record 15 to 20 minute videos, uh, what they saw from today's practice, their observation, news and notes. And we put it right on the podcast right after Ed sends it to me. So yesterday they recapped the first day of training camp to a full extent. We don't want to, you know, repeat ourselves and go over it again in this episode. So if you really want the full extent, of what of the observations Ed has, and as well as John McMullen, please check out yesterday's episode. It's right on our podcast feed. You can find it on YouTube and is where you're listening to the podcast right now from day one episode of 2022 Eagles training camp. I mean, Ed, yeah, the short practices, you know, especially with all those really big key faces, it is something to keep an eye on. I mean, I know that, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, it was just the first day of practice when they hear this. But, I mean, as you were alluding to, this is something that, you know, Nick Sirianni has been known for since his Philadelphia Eagles senior started shorter practices. Um, I'm interested to see how this continues to impact the team going forward, especially with so much youth uh, at the major key role positions. Uh, you know, this is really Jalen Hurst's time to shine. I'm just saying A.J. Brown. Hassan Reddick is really going to be, you know, the guy on defense this year. This is the guy that you spent all this money in free agency. You need him to get those 10-plus sacks because that's what the Eagles have been lacking from um, an edge rusher. So, uh, it will be interesting to keep an eye on for sure, especially with Jonathan Gannon implementing all these different fronts. That's why I wanted to ask you, um, what did you notice yesterday? Because I've heard some things that I know it was only day one of practice, but uh, I've heard some other you know beat writers and some other shows allude to this. But it was apparently interesting how Hassan Reddick was used. I don't know if you had any notice of that at all. Uh, to me, when I saw Hassan Reddick, he was lined up on the left side. Uh, as kind of one of those edge guys um, stand up, you know, he was a stand up edge guy. And I noticed on one play, I think it was in seven on seven or 11 on 11. They were just did red zone drills on Wednesday, first day. He just blew up the play. He just went right by Lane Johnson and, you know, it was right there uh, in Jalen Hurts's lap and Hurts had to step up and they let the play go on. Um, but to me, every time I look, Reddick was on the left side of the defensive line as one of those overhang players that Gannon is talking about. Um, <clears throat> it was interesting uh, to see that because on the other side <clears throat> was Josh Sweat uh, as an overhang player. And then your middle defenders, your, your, your nose and your 2D tackles was Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave, and then Marlon Tuapilautu was over the nose, over center. Um, Jordan Davis wasn't Jordan Davis got strictly second team reps. The Kobe Dean got strictly third team reps at linebacker. Um, nothing's going to be handed to these rookies, but I thought it was interesting that Marlon T was the first one to get those nose tackle reps. Now Fletcher Cox, you know, he wasn't, uh, available. He was limited first day as he comes back from COVID. Um, he just did individual drills. So he wasn't on the field, but, uh, that was their five first team guys on that defensive line. Um, now, you know, they cut Noah Ellis, they had to release him. He was a big, 
nose tackle type from Idaho as an undrafted free agent, but they waived him with a non-injury designation. I was surprised. You know, he was kind of built a little bit like Jordan Davis, kind of that big guy you could play over center. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that Marlon Tia Tuapulotu as the first team to nose tackle was the biggest surprise to me yesterday on Wednesday, I should say. And uh, Hassan Reddick just stayed in that, that overhang position on the left side of the line. Now, they might move them around. Um, and we'll see. And Brandon Graham, I should should add, he got some time in uh, with the first team, but he ran mostly second team opposite Derek Barnett. Uh, but I think they're going to move Graham all over the place. Yeah, absolutely for sure. And I mean, I mean that sounds like what you're going to see from Son Reddick this year. I think uh, a lot of guys were hoping to see him be moved around more as a Swiss Army knife type piece. But I mean, I I think you're using him correctly to his advantages. As, as what he's been doing with Carolina and Arizona the past two seasons. So that sounds like good news to me. I don't really understand what they're going with with that one. But um, anything else that stood out to you? I mean, I think one thing that I observed from all the news and notes is Quez Watkins looks like he is ready to be uh, a mainstay on this team. You know, we're all the focus is on Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. But I'm telling you, I think the Eagles have a wide receiver in Quez Watkins here. I think he is, you know, in some sort of sense – the Jason Avant to this wide receiver core, the guy that doesn't get all the fame and variety, but is a very good and steady player who for this team. And I think that's what they have in Quest Watkins. Well, he, you know, he was, uh, you know, my, my first day notebook, he was my offensive play of the game uh, or the day, I should say, uh, you know, he made a nice catch, but it was a great throw from Hertz. I'll, I'll say that first was, you know, again, red zone drills. I think the play, uh, was generated from about the eight yard line. Uh, but, you know, Hertz threw a terrific back shoulder throw to Watkins, who was tightly guarded by Avante Maddox. And it looked like those two were on the same page. Watkins knew exactly where that ball was going to go when Hertz threw it. And he, you know, he adjusted and Maddox was sl- a little bit slower to adjust. It was still pretty contested, but Watkins made the catch. And Great throw, great catch, great communication, I think, between the two, unspoken communication. And, you know, maybe that's what you'll see year two of these two together. Um, you know, and, and Watkins could have that type of season where very unheralded coming in because of Brown and Smith, like you said, and Goddard. Um, but, you know, he's just another weapon in, in this arsenal that looks like, you know, he can be that receiver he was last year when he had over 600 yards receiving. And I think it was almost 40 catches, which sounds about right. If he can do that again, that's fantastic. Uh, He also made another really nice play for a touchdown. And it was a designed rollout by Jalen Wrights going to his right, took, took the snap and took off right. So all the traffic starts flowing that direction. And Watkins just turned on the jets in the back part of the end zone and just ran right past James Bradbury uh, and, and hurts again, another really good pass on the run right to Watkins. He caught it back at the end zone, another touchdown. So yeah, he, he certainly showed up first day again, just first day. But when you look at what he did last year, how he started camp this year, yeah, he's somebody that could certainly be a factor, uh, that not many people might be expecting because of the Brown and Smith. Well, I mean, there's always this talk about Zach Pascal, and I think Zach Pascal is going to be, you know, a great red zone option for this team. I think he's going to be a solid contributor, but uh, there's no way I'm putting him above Quez Watkins, especially with the, the ceiling that Quez Watkins and the trajectory he's currently on. Uh, he, Quez, excuse me, Zach Pascal has never had a season that Quez Watkins just had. He's never had 600 some yards. You know, the, I would just keep riding that Quez, Quez Watkins hype train, 
and uh, round out my depth chart with Zach Pascal and let these guys fight for wide receiver five. And if they decide to keep a six guy, then there you go. You got your return specials there too. But uh, it's going to be really hard for this team to pick five and six wide receivers this year uh, for the first time ever. You know, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's not, a, it's a good problem to have, but I mean, the top four for this team, Brown, Smith, Watkins, and Pascal, that's pretty much set in stone to me right now. Yeah, and then where does Rager fit? Where does Greg Ward fit? Where does Devin Allen or, or Britt Covey fit? Um, you know, Deion Kane, I think, is somebody you have to throw in kind of this mix as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a good preseason. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They're going to try to trade Rager. Um, yeah. And right now, Howie is looking for more than what teams are willing to give. Now, mm-hmm. you know, if there's an injury in camp, uh, for another team, maybe, you know, at the wide receiver position, maybe teams will be willing to meet how he's asking price, or if there's an injury for the Eagles, then maybe Rager, you know, steps up the, you know, up the depth chart, but uh, you're right. I mean, that, those seem to be the guys we didn't see Zach Pascal on Wednesday. He uh, <clears throat> was a non-participant. Uh, he, he was listed as having an illness. So uh, he didn't practice. It would have been nice to see him, you know, just being a first year guy. And that's always the thing I like to see in the early days of campus. I like to, kind of watch the, you know, the first year guys, the newcomers, um, the rookies, the undrafted rookies, the free agents. Um, and that's kind of what I did on Wednesday, but, you know, Pascal wasn't there. So I uh, have to see the Eagles will be practicing Friday and Saturday this week, and then they take off again Sunday, not off, but it's close to the media. Again, they'll do a walkthrough uh, with plenty of, uh, you know, meetings and film study, but I'll be watching Pascal Friday, Saturday. Hope he comes back and, you know, keep an eye on him and see how he fits into this group. Um, I don't see him getting cut. I think you're right. I think he'll make the team. But, uh, again, you know, the proof's going to be on the field and what he puts on tape during these practices and in the preseason games, and we'll see how he looks. All right, so since you like to focus on, you know, the first-year guys, I got to ask, since we're talking about the wide receiver position, did A.J. Brown look as advertised in day one? Well, you know, he, he did make some catches in the red zone. He had a touchdown or two. Um, it, it, I'll say this, T.J. Edwards made a really nice play uh, on an underneath throw to A.J. Brown on a cross, and uh, it was only like five yards off the line, but Brown looked like he had it, and T.J. Edwards just ripped the ball right out, you know, broke up the play, which was, you know, good to see from Edwards because that's always been an issue with him is in coverage. How is he in coverage? And, you know, he did a nice job on that play. Um, but AJ Brown, I thought he looked, you know, I thought he looked good and, you know, I'm going to drop a story today and he's more than just a pass catcher for this team. AJ Brown, even though he's a quiet guy and likes to lead by example, man, he is, he's out on social media. You know, he defended Jalen hurts for this report that came out about him having a bad 10 play series in an OTA in May. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he, he, he's signing autographs for fans. He was in the pro shops giving away or buying, number 11 jerseys with his name on the back for fans that were in there at the time. I mean, this is a guy that is going to be more than just a pass catcher for the Eagles. He's going to be an ambassador. He's going to be out there. He's going to immerse himself in the community. And I, you know, I think that, you know, Eagles fans love the guy and, you know, again, he's a proven commodity. What he did in the first day of camp, you know, doesn't matter because what he's done in his first three years in the league, that's really what's mattered. Um, you know, two of those years over a thousand yards, he's got over a dozen touchdown catches in that time. So, I mean, you know, that, that's a proven guy right there and he hasn't come in and he's not a shrinking violet and he's just going to stay in the background. He's out there, uh, with the fans, 
you know, defending his quarterback, showed up with a Jalen Hurts season hat on his head. Season, yeah, Lord Brunson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, Lord Brunson. Yeah, I mean, he's he, you know, he's he's all on board with what the Eagles are doing, and uh, you know, he's a guy I think fans will like. Very engaging. You know, he spoke to us for about nine minutes after practice, and just really insightful, good answers. Um, so he's a guy that you know we know about. I did like watching him a little bit. He scored some touchdowns, but again. You know, he's a proven guy. You know what you're going to get, I think, from A.J. Brown, and that's going to be, you know, big numbers. Yeah, this leadership role that he's already walked into uh, and <laughs> take on nobly has been phenomenal to see. I mean, you haven't really seen a star player come to a team, a new organization, and, you know, take a hold of it like A.J. Yeah. Brown has so far with the Eagles. I mean, it's been phenomenal to see. But, you know, the one thing that I think it's lost in this whole A.J. Brown accusation debate is, you know, everybody talks about the Eagles paid him all this money. Yes, they did. They paid him like a top 10 wide receiver that they believe he is, and I believe he is as well. But you know what gets lost in this, Ed, is what kind of offense A.J. Brown comes from. You know, a lot of people are focused on this Eagles, like, you know, they paid A.J. Brown $100 million, they had Devontae Smith, they had to become more of a passing offense. And that is true. It has to become way more balanced, uh, more so than it is a running football team with the – I mean, excuse me, with all that they invested in the wide receiver position, that has to become more of a passing team. But – you know, you're getting A.J. Brown who comes from a team. Guess where he's coming from? A run-heavy organization. And where, what did he do with that run-heavy organization? Still thrived. He still found ways to produce on the ground, through the air, and has been in a complete wide receiver in doing so. So when you add a guy like that to a team, you're not adding Devontae Adams, who expects to have 100 receptions each year and be the best wide receiver in the league. You're adding a team player who understands – if the team is winning and successful through the ground, I'm going to do my part to continue that tradition going and still be productive while we're still winning. That's the one thing that I think gets really overlooked in this A.J. Brown trade is that they traded for a guy who has been a part of a Tennessee Titan high-power octane rushing attack, and he's still been able to produce, even though Derrick Henry's been taking over the league uh, from a rushing standpoint for yeah. years since A.J. Brown's entered the league. So even Good if point. the Eagles have to pivot, just leaning on the running again, A.J. Brown is still going to be a successful wide receiver for this team this year. He's still going to put up his numbers. He's still going to be productive. But he's also going to propel that rushing attack even more because the threat of him being on the field, the fact that he can do these end-arounds, these great plays running the ball. Because I think either, either you or John made a great point of saying he's like a big running back. You know, yeah. he's really – it's always after the catch with this guy anyways. So And he's a great blocker as well. He's already been used to that stuff in Tennessee. It's not even going to be as close to where it was in Tennessee as it is with Philadelphia because you have to get Derrick Henry to the ball. You're giving Derrick Henry all this money. He is your offense. No running back for the Philadelphia Eagles is their entire offense. It's just their rushing attack is a main staple of it, and it can continue to do so, and that won't affect A.J. Brown's production because you already saw he's able to do so in Tennessee. That's why I think it's overlooked the most about A.J. Brown's uh, arrival in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, and I'll just say two more quick things about Brown. His first – you see guys get paid big money sometimes and they just disappear. They don't live up to that contract. Not sure we'll have that issue with Brown. Um, you know, he loves to play the game. He seems pretty genuine about that. And then secondly, it was pretty cool after we, you know, where we were talking to him, he said he likes to pull plays off of Instagram or off the internet. He looks around at different plays and there was one that he brought to Nick Sirianni uh, that he saw and he wouldn't give the play, but he said it was Cam Newton, a play from Cam Newton that he liked and uh, he brought it to Hertz and Nick Sirianni, and we'll see if he uses it. But he says he does that all the time. So he 
kind of scours the internet for different plays that might fit his skill set. And, and this is the time to work on that stuff uh, is during camp, during practice, you know, work on these plays, you know, and then when it comes to the game, if it's not ready to, you know, take the wraps off, then you keep working on it and maybe dust it off for another game or, or open it up for another game. So, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was pretty cool that he admitted that, you know, he likes to look at the internet for plays that might fit his skill set or help the team. Yeah, I can understand you know, when people compare this acquisition to like the TO acquisition, it was it's not they're not comparing the talents. They're comparing the situations. I mean, adding a star wide receiver that comes in and acts the part already for your team who wants to be a huge leader, wants to make this team a Super Bowl winning team, uh, and continue his elite style of play. I mean, that's what the Eagles are getting in AJ Brown right now. And you know, these these statements just further cement that. So it's great to hear. But another guy that I'm jumping off the walls about here, I mean, who had a really strong first day, in my opinion. Uh, from everything that we've heard and uh, all the reports, Marcus Epps, you know, the guy who's going to really take over his safety this year, uh, had a great interception on Jalen Hurts. I'll let Ed describe a little bit more because he will have to see it with his own eyes. But, I mean, in a day where I know Anthony Harris has, uh, I think it's COVID issues or something with issues with COVID. Yes, he was limited due to COVID, yeah, returning from COVID, right? So I, I, that didn't impact either way. It was going to be Marcus Epps on the field as the number one safety, regardless if Anthony Harris is out there or not. But to see him be, you know, the number one guy this to yesterday uh, and to take a hold of that and play very well and with the pressure being on him and the eyes being on him, I, I, I truly believe the sentiment that I preached all the way back in February I had for SI. Marcus Epps is going to be a player for this team this year. Yeah. Uh, listen, they need him to be, uh, you know, they're counting on him and, you know, it was good, good to see the start that he had again, one day we'll see, you know, if he can stack these days, but uh, yeah, he had an INT in the end zone uh, covering Dallas Goddard. Now Hertz was a little slow with the football to deliver it. Um, but, you know, Epps made a nice read on it. You know, he undercut Goddard and it was heading for the flag in the, in the end zone and, you know, Hertz should have thrown the ball quicker, but he didn't. And Hertz or Epps was there, uh, to uh, step in front of Goddard and make the pick and hang on to it. You know, a lot of these DBs play DB because they can't catch, but he made a nice catch. He hung on to it, uh, which would be a huge, huge red zone interception in, in a ball game, you know, a real game that counts. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Epps, good start. You know, we'll see where he goes from here. I think what was interesting, Connor, was who was starting next to him, and that was Kayvon Wallace. Um, you know, now I know Jaquaski Tart, you know, he just came in a month ago. Uh, still kind of feeling his way with his new teammates. He had no OTAs. Uh, you know, he's still probably engaged in the playbook and learning his teammates and how they like to play. So he he got second team reps, Tart. And then, like you mentioned, Harris was limited, didn't do any team stuff, only individual work. So it was Kayvon Wallace. And, uh, you know, Wallace didn't, you know, didn't he, he looked okay to me. You know, he didn't make any egregious mistakes or uh, and he, he looked comfortable. He looked fine. The thing with Kayvon Wallace has always been being able to stay healthy, I think. It seems like when he builds up momentum, uh, some kind of little injury gets up and grabs him uh, and shuts him down a little bit, and that saps his momentum. So if he can stay healthy, you know, we might be, you know, underselling Kayvon Wallace. I'm thinking Harris or Tart could start. But, you know, if Wallace shows that he's, you know, what he was coming out of Clemson and he can stay healthy – it could be Epson and Wallace who are your starting safeties. That would be a shock. But, uh, you know, like I said, if you keep stacking these days, both Epps and him and together, then maybe you could be looking at the starting safety group. Right I mean, there. that would be crazy because we wouldn't see it coming. But the right. best 
option for the Eagles because of the long-term effects. Kevon Wallace can be a long-term player for this team. Anthony Harris, Crosby Tart, not so much. Um, and Marcus Epps as well could be a long-term player for this team. Yep. So, you know, that would be the best for the longevity of the Eagles. But uh, I'm not, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Still day one, like you said. Yep. I think the one thing about Marcus Epps, though, and, you know, his potential coming out party is I think he can solve one huge problem the Eagles secondary has had minus Darius Slay, and that's getting turnovers. Um, I do think with the more playing time, and again, this isn't just because of what he did yesterday. Uh, I just believe he has a knack for the ball. He has a knack for being around the ball. And if you're a safety like that, typically you wind up with a you know a good amount of interceptions. So I think he could solve that problem or be at least part of the solution to that problem with the increased playing time. Because again, he was on the field for 48% of the Eagles defensive snaps yeah. last year. You're looking at at least in the 70s this year if he stays healthy, maybe even more because he wants to be a starting job. So why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, even beyond – and the Eagles do have to do a better job taking the ball away. There's no yeah, doubt. Um, absolutely. You know, and it doesn't have to just be an interception. I mean, Epps is a willing tackler. He's a guy that can separate you from the football. So, you know, he could also force some fumbles uh, to help create turnovers as well. So, uh, yeah, that's something – you're right. I mean, that's something that he has the ability to do, uh, and we'll just see if he can do it. Um, you know, I, I think he can. I know Howie Roseman does because he talked about him. Uh, you know, at his press conference on Wednesday. So, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see, you know. I mean, certainly it's something that's going to be followed throughout camp. Uh, and then once the Eagles go to Cleveland to practice with the Browns and the Dolphins the week after that, uh, you know, that's when we're going to learn a lot about Epps and a lot of others too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, guys, Ed and I are going to be back consistently now since training camp is back and, you know, the Eagles are officially back. So we are officially back as well. So we will be continuing – our podcast episodes and discussing we're going to rank our our players most important to 2022 success we've done this the last couple of years so we're going to do that again this year uh probably the next episode but today we're going to do something a little bit different uh, that we came up with so last year's breakout stars for the eagles uh and i agreed it was jordan Mulata and Vontae maddox you know nobody saw jordan Mulata becoming the left tackle that he has for this organization uh until last season happened and then Avante Maddox as well. Nobody really thought he would be this nickel corner that he ended up becoming to this day. I mean, he played last year like a top three nickel corner in the NFL. If you would have told me that prior to the season, I would have laughed at you. I mean, we were talking about Zach McPherson taking his job. We were talking about uh, who's going to replace Jason Peters' left tackle long term. Is it going to be Dillard? Is it going to be Mulata? You know, now we have solidified answers to those questions because of the play of Jordan Mulata and Avante Maddox last season. So, Ed and I were thinking, let's see who we predict can be those two type players this year for this Eagles team. And I got my picks on offense. I got my picks on defense. So I'm ready to hear what Ed has as well. I'm going to go over mine real quick. And these, my two players are starting to become very heavily talked about. Uh, When I first made these, you know, I, back in February, I made, you know, a case for Marcus Epps. And I'm not trying to say I did it before everybody else. But I felt like I got to that, you know, that, that fruit punch bowl before most people did, talking about Marcus Epps and his breakout year. I discussed this a couple months back on a fantasy football podcast, and now it seems like everybody's catching on to this as well, which I'm not saying because of me. I think it's because everybody's starting to really realize the type of player that he is with all these clips of rewatching the film. Um, 
But I've been singing the praises of Kenny Gainwell, and I really think he's a complete player. And when I say complete player, I'm looking at, like, what do these offensive play callers used to in their running back? And I'm looking at Nick Sirianni and how he calls his plays. I'm looking at Shane Steichen, who, you know, Nick Sirianni alluded to the end of the last season, called all the plays from the second half season on. And I look at what running backs they've dealt with. I look at Naeem Hines. I look at Austin Eckler. And I look at how those teams use them. And I know Los Angeles at the time had Melvin Gordon when Steichen was there. I know Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack were guys for Indianapolis as well when Sirianni was there. But look at these two weapons for this team, for those respected offenses, and look at the volume that they get. This is exactly the skill set that Kenny Gamewell possesses. Because as much as we praise him as a receiver, which he is, he's he's the Eagles' best receiving back on their team. He's going to be a huge weapon for them in the slot, out of the backfield, and in any other formation that they use him in as a receiving threat. He's going to be a threat, absolutely, 100%. But he's also a very underrated runner, Ed. I mean, the guy had five – I believe he had five rushing touchdowns last year. I could be mistaken, but I believe no, it was he, five. he did. He had one yeah. and one receiving, yeah, so six. One total. receiving. So he had six total touchdowns last year with five rushing touchdowns last year. Very, very underrated in the red zone. You didn't, right. When you didn't expect to bring him out in these short guard situations in the red zone, the Eagles brought him out, and he scored majority of those times, or he was impressive. He got the yards that he needed. Majority of those times, I think Philadelphia Eagles fans are not awake enough to the potential that Kenny Gainwell possesses. This guy could potentially be their next Brian Westbrook from a terms of receiving and rushing standpoint. He does both of those very well. He fits that Austin Eckler, nine Himes type mold. Um, Miles Sanders is in the last year of his rookie contract. This team, no matter what, I, I think Miles Sanders is very talented. Do not get me wrong. He's very skilled. I don't, for some reason, the last two years, this is this goes before the Nick Sirianni era. This goes to the last year of the Doug Peterson era. This team does not trust Miles Sanders as much as they did when he was a rookie. You know, this team has, at some point, I don't want to say fallen out of love with Miles Sanders, but they don't think of Miles Sanders as much as I would say the fan base does. You know, when it comes time to trusting him to get that scoring play, they're turning to a different running back. When it comes time to he's run the ball for the last two downs, take him off the field. There's not three downs of Miles Sanders, it seems like. So I think of Miles Sanders as, you know, a very talented back. I think he could do more in this league. Absolutely. I don't think it's going to happen in Philadelphia because right now they label him as a change of pace back. That's how they treat him. And that's how he's used. He's a home run threat, but he used as a change of pace back. I don't think that's going to discontinue because I think Kenny Gainwell selling is pretty high. I think this team likes him a lot. This coaching staff invested in him. They drafted him. Uh, I think you're going to be shocked when you see at the end of the year how much of a split there was between Miles Sanders and Kenny Gamble carrying the ball. Uh, I think Kenny Gamble's going to have a huge impact this year. I think he's going to be their Jordan Mulata on offense, uh, just from a surprise standpoint. And then on defense, I got Marcus Epps. You know, and I, for the reasons I just stated uh, from the last time we just talked about, I think the Eagles have a player on Marcus Epps that we have always underrated, myself included. And he's watched as Mal- I, I had Malcolm Jenkins on the pod, and Malcolm actually said it best. He sat back and he watched how Rodney did things. He watched how Malcolm done things. He soaked up information from Anthony Harris. He's been around Harrison Smith. He's used to Jonathan Gannon. 
he's really been Jonathan Gannon's safety from day one since Jonathan Gannon's been hired, other than Anthony Harris. I think it's really Marcus Epps' time. I think he has the talent. I think he's young enough, and I think he's had the right pieces and information and time to sit back and become the safety he's going to become. I think he's going to be a player for this team. I think he's going to be there at Monte Max this year where you're like, whoa, I did not see that coming. You know, I thought they had a player in him for sure, but I didn't see him becoming a solidified starter for this team because I didn't see that with Avante Max last year, and it happened. I think it's going to happen this year with Marcus Epps as well. So those are my two picks, Ed. I'm very curious to hear yours. <laughs> well, I mean, th- those would, are two great picks, and, you know, I would probably agree with both of those picks, especially Gainwell. Um, you know, I wrote a story about players, you know, a couple weeks ago, players that go from year one to year two to make the, the biggest jump, that's when they're expected to. And I think Gainwell fits into that category nicely. And, you know, the thing about Sanders is he has a hard time catching the ball. We saw it first day of practice. I mean, he went out on a little five-yard turnaround pattern and Hurts put the ball right there and he bobbled it a couple times. He, there was nobody around him. So he was able to kind of bobble it and then t- catch it and turn. But by then the defense had closed on him. If he catches that cleanly, he probably gets more yards than what he got. So, you know, that's that's a concern with Miles Sanders. He's not consistent in his pass catching. And I don't know why he was so good at it his rookie year. But, yeah, um, but yeah Ken, biggest Ken mystery of all time. Yeah, I mean, what other candidates are there on offense? I mean, I liked what Grant Calcaterra, the rookie, did uh, in his first day. Again, first day, sixth-round pick, but he caught the ball nicely. Uh, the Eagles, there is competition to be the backup to Dallas Goddard. But realistically, how many – opportunities is Grant Calcaterra going to get in this offense um, to catch the football. So, you know, he's a candidate, but I wouldn't put him there. Maybe Jack Driscoll. That's what uh, it was between Kenny Gamble and Jack Driscoll. Yeah, for me. You, but I think Siamalu is going to be the starter there. And I think, okay. the, but, 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 you know, that's just me, you know, with a hunch here, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I think Siamalu will be the starter uh, and Driscoll will be kind of your super sub, you know, being able to bounce from guard to tackle. Siamalu doesn't have a lot of tackle experience. So, um, you know, I Siamalu's think that's a good player, player folks. Yeah. Siamalu is a very good player and people just overlook him and say, Hey, let's just trade him. But, you know, I, I think his injury history is damning. So I, I can understand that point, but he's a good player when he's on the field. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at who the candidates are Gainwell clearly above that pack and then on defense, I mean, yeah, Epps is a great pick. Love that pick. I would make that pick too. But if you want somebody different, I would probably go with like a Milton Williams up front. Again, another guy that could make that big jump from year two to year one, but the pro or I'm sorry, year one to year two. But the big problem with Milton Williams to me is that where's how much playing time is he going to get? I mean, is he going to be a 30 to 35% snap guy? Because, you know, you have Davis that has to get his snaps. You have Fletcher Cox who talked on Wednesday about, playing with a chip on his shoulder. He knows he had a down year last year. John McMullen, we just put a story up this morning about Cox and what he had to say about that, so you can check that out. Um, so, yeah, what are his opportunities going to be to be that, you know, that breakout player uh, this season? So another one, another candidate possibility, maybe Davion Taylor. Uh, again, kind of like Kayvon Wallace, a guy that, you know, whenever he seems to be taking three steps forward, he takes a step back because of injury and it, and the linebacker group is, is pretty well stocked. So he's going to have to kind of find his way up the depth chart to put himself in position uh, to be that, uh, that player who could put together a breakout season. So um, Epps has the opportunity, you know, he is the guy they're counting on to start. So it would be hard to say it's not going to be Marcus Epps who's going to have a breakout year. They need him to have a breakout year. 
so I would go with Gainwell and Epps too, but there are some other candidates here that you could put in on that list. I just don't know if they'll have the opportunity in terms of playtime to, to get to that point where they'll make that huge impact like Gainwell or Epps would. I think my other pick from defense is going to be Kaiser White. I, I think the Eagles have a player in cards your wife from what it looks like from the Los Angeles tape camp. And still everybody from the Chargers you, you hear for is like surprised that Kaiser White got away. So I mean, with the opportunity in this in this linebacker room to really establish yourself as the best linebacker on this team, I, I like the opportunity for Kaiser White, to be honest with you. I think that he could be a guy that, you know, he, again, he's on a one year deal, but it, he could be a guy that proves himself and becomes, you know, a long term option for this team. Well, I mean, listen, I I think he could be a surprise cut if you're looking at okay. surprise. I mean, it could be. It could be because, again, it, it's Edwards is still a good player. Nicobe Dean, you want to be your guy long-term. Davion Taylor, you did invest in third-round picking. So, I mean, it's not a crazy observation there. Well, and, and he was a guy that they signed in free agency when they didn't know that Nicobe Dean would be sitting there in the third round of the draft and mm-hmm. Kyron Johnson would be in the fold in the sixth round. Uh, to get him so I mean he was kind of a, a guy that's like okay we need to upgrade our linebacker core let's get Hassan Reddick who they really targeted because they wanted his pass rush skills and that was a definite need so they targeted Reddick they ended up with White and then they drafted two guys and I don't think they were expecting to do that so now uh, you have a very crowded room and you know we always talk about the Eagles in these one-year contracts they hand to these these uh, free agent linebackers that never work out you know LJ Fort was signed to a one-year deal. They cut him, and he did well with, I think, the Ravens. So, But, you know, guys like Corey Nelson and uh, Paul Warlow, I mean, these guys just haven't worked out. I'm not saying Kaiser White will be that guy, but if you're looking for surprise roster moves, Kaiser White could be in a battle for a job here. And that's not to say he's not a good player. I think he's a very good player. But it depends how many linebackers the Eagles are going to keep. You know, you have Sean Bradley in there. Uh, you know, you have eight of them. I have them. I did a projected 53 man roster that you can read and I had them keeping eight linebackers, but listen, if they want to go light, they're going to have to make a hard decision on somebody there. And maybe it's white and someone will pick him up and they'll put him in a starting job and he'll do great. And Eagles fans will be like, well, why didn't we keep him? But, <laughs> yeah. but, but listen, I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to cut him, but I'm just looking at surprise cuts. Oh, someone had, we, I was talking to another reporter on the sidelines yesterday and we were saying what are some surprise cuts you could see this year and i threw kaiser white out there and um you know there were a couple other names that were floated but i'm not saying it's going to happen i just say you know just keep an eye on it uh that linebacker group in general uh, because i know they like davion taylor again it just comes down to health um with him because Mm -hmm. he's talented he's instinctive he's been here three years now he's got to stay healthy same with Kayvon wallace I, I mean, that's a great observation on your part. But, all right, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Again, we'll be back very soon later this week with some more info on the Eagles training camp. You can catch Ed and John McMullen's camp series every day after the media-available practices. And I have to stress this, media-available. Not every practice is media-available. They won't be there for every single one. But the ones that are have media availability, they will be there, and they will be recording right after that episode – I mean, right after that practice. So – We'll have that up for the podcast feed right that at least the afternoon or night of that practice that they had just had. So thank you guys so much for all your support. We'll be back very soon. We'll see you soon. All right. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.